right. Our New Testament passage is taken from the book of Acts. We're going to continue in the book of Acts, and we're now to chapter 12. And you can find it in the handout, uh, or for those of you at home, Acts chapter 12 in your Bibles. And we're going to read verses 1 to 7, and then jump down to verse 18, um, because it's a long story, and I'll fill in the gaps later. Don't worry. All right. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the, fe- during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before, uh, excuse me, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and chains fell off Peter's wrists. And then jumping down to 18, in the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon and now joined together and sought an audience with him after after securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king. They asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. And on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not, a, not of a man. And immediately, because Herod did not, Herod, not Herald, call him Herald if you want, Herod did not give praise to God. An angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of, the, of God continued to spread and flourish. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I love this passage. I've loved it since I was a teenager. This is one of those Bible passages that keeps adolescent boys in Sunday school. Um, That a guy was struck down by God and eaten by worms. This is one of the top couple of deaths in the Bible. I think Jezebel is the only better one, that she fell out of a window and was eaten by dogs. Um, The bears are pretty good, too, in 2 Kings. So, um, what does this story, Peter's imprisonment, Herod's death, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have in common? Um, this is what I want us to think about, and this is where we're going. There's not any big, you know, multi-point message tonight. It's a simple message, but it's one we're going to spend our entire lives learning. And it's the question, who should we praise and Why? Who should we praise? Who should we give our worship to and why? In verse 1 and 2, Luke tells us that things are not going well for the Christians in in Jerusalem. Uh, In fact, it tells us that James, the brother of John, has just been killed. Uh, This is the first apostle to die. First one of, well, except for Judas, but first apostle to die for their faith. Um, This was probably pretty devastating. Um, sure, Stephen had, had died in Acts chapter six and, or 7, rather, 
Um, but this was one of the leaders. This was one of the, not just one of the apostles, but this was one of the three closest ones, right? James, John, and Peter. It's one of Jesus' like, best friends. And he had died. And Herod actually learned that the people liked this. He said, wow, the Jewish people seemed to like this. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he said, great, let's kill Peter too. If, if killing James made, made me popular, let's go kill Peter, and then I'll be really popular among my people, among the people I'm supposed to be ruling. Uh, um, and, and just to give you a little bit of context for Herod and, and who Herod is, there's actually three Herods mentioned in the New Testament. This is the third one mentioned. Um, the first one is the one that's mentioned when Jesus is born. If you remember the story at Christmas, when Jesus is born, Herod hears there's a new king of the Jews born and has baby boys killed all throughout Israel. And so this is when Jesus and his family go down to Egypt. That's the first Herod, okay? And then Herod's sons, there's a bunch of those, and one of Herod's sons was the one involved in Jesus's crucifixion, okay? So the one involved in Jesus's crucifixion and that whole narrative was one of Herod's sons. That was Herod Antipas. And this is Herod Agrippa, who was the nephew of Herod Antipas. And this was about 44 AD, 44 so about 10 years, give or take, after the death of Jesus. So Acts chapter 12 actually takes place a little bit later than some of the earlier events in Acts. But so this is the third Herod it's sort of mentioned, so it's a different one than the other ones. Just to give you context for where we're at. And he was in charge of sort of Jerusalem, Galilee, and sort of all those farmlands in that area, which is why it talks about how the people in Tyre and Sidon needed the food from, that he oversaw to survive. And we'll get to that in a second. So just to give you context, that's the Herod we're talking about. It's not the same one as the other two. Um, so anyways, but so he decides he wants to make the Jews happy, so he's going to arrest, it tells us in verse 4 and 5, um, he's going to put him on trial after the Passover, right, but fully intends to kill Peter. He thinks this is a good plan. And so there Peter is, the scripture tells us, verse 5, that Peter was kept in prison, but the church, the brothers and sisters in Christ, were earnestly praying for him. That night, they're staying up late, praying to God, that God would do something. Because what has just happened with James is, of course, a tragedy, and they're hoping that Peter is not going to be next. And I just also wanted to just mention this. Thank God for people who pray like this, right? I don't know if you have people in your life who pray. Uh, I do, and they are wonderfully, wonderfully encouraging to me. And I just want to say two things. If you're a prayer, some of you are prayers, and when I say prayer, I mean like you, you got your list, you know, and you go through your list, and, and you go through your list every single day or every single week, and this is your thing. Man, keep doing it. Keep, keep doing it, because we need it. We need people like you who have the gift of prayer and the gift of faithful prayer to pray for people, right? And if you don't have someone in your life, let me just say this too, if you don't have someone in your life you can go to when you are feeling overwhelmed and you are feeling burdened, who you can go to and you know they will pray for you, reach out to brothers and sisters in Christ who do. Because it will carry you through difficult, difficult times. This has nothing to do with the sermon other than the fact that I see what's happening here in the church and I just want to point out, if you're a prayer, keep praying. And if you're someone who struggles with prayer or you say, oh, I'll pray for you, but then you totally forget, it's okay, it happens to all of us, keep practicing. Because prayer is so vital to the life and body of the church. 
and we see it over and over and over, and we see it here. So, back to the story. So these people are praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and I don't know if they were rocking, if they were holding hands, if they were lifting, we don't know, it doesn't say, but they're praying, and they're praying, and then Peter's sitting there, and he's chained to two guards. There's 16 guards appointed to keep Peter from escaping. And in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord, a messenger of God, wakes him up and says, let's go. Chains fall off, and he walks out. Man, I think I said this a few weeks ago. We make our own plans and God does what he wants, doesn't he? And so Peter walks out. And then we jump down to to what happens next with the soldiers. But let me just first tell you what happens in between for the sake of time. Basically, he goes to this house where everyone's praying and no one believes it's him. He knocks on the door and they're like, it's Peter. And everyone upstairs praying says, no, it's not Peter. It's not Peter. Just keep praying, keep praying. And they finally figure out it's him. And there's this big rejoicing and then Peter goes away to hide because he's not sure what's going to happen to him. And it says that Peter just went away to some other place. Um, but then in the morning, we pick up at the story in verse 18. And, and of course, there's, it says, there was no small commotion. What happened to Peter? He was sleeping here, chained to us, but now he's gone. What happened? Not real sure. How did he get away? Great question. I have no idea. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not a comic ending. Um, because uh, of these things that happen, we see Herod again, the same way he so flippantly took the life of James, he takes the lives of potentially all 16 soldiers. doesn't tell us that all of them, but he said he cross-examined the guards and ordered they be executed. We can assume it was probably 16 more lives Herod decided to take that day. But as the story progresses, Very intentionally, I might add, that it goes right from this thing about Peter into what happened to Herod. I think it's very intentional on the author of Acts. Herod, (laughs) things don't go well for Herod, do they? Basically, there was this other region near the ocean. They needed the food grown in Herod's region, and they had been fighting. And the Bible tells us that they came to an agreement because of this guy Blastus, and they sort of worked out the details, and so Herod goes to speak in this region. And all the people are happy, and they're sort of praising him and giving him flattery and all of these things. They try to butter him up, as we say in English. And they say, this is not the voice of a a man, this is the voice of a God. (laughs) And then he's struck down by God and eaten by worms. Like I said, this is one of the better biblical death stories. And it's funny because one of the first things many of us think now as we're adults and we're very, you know, steeped in reality and the rational thought, there's no way this actually happened. Like, I, I can understand that maybe Herod died. I can understand that, that, that maybe this happened. But there's no way that he died in this moment giving a speech. This is just too far-fetched. So this is one of the times when I can say, you're wrong. Um, Josephus, a first century historian, half Jewish, half Roman, writes history about the first century right? Nothing to do with the church. He is a Roman historian, and he gives a detailed account in his book about this event because it was such a huge deal at the time. In 44 AD, Herod went to this region dressed in splendorous robes, gave a speech, fell ill, and died. (laughs) You can read about it. Just search Herod Josephus death on Google, and you can read the whole entry from Josephus's first history of the first century. This was such a big event in the first century in this, t- in this part of the world that Josephus 
gives like a, a big lengthy paragraph to this event that there was some weird supernatural occurrence that happened in Herod's death that sort of sent shockwaves through the world. I love it. Love it. Doesn't always happen, by the way, but I love it when history corresponds with the Bible and we realize, wow, maybe this stuff is all true. And the narrative ends with this powerful verse in verse 24. And think about the contrast with Herod. So Herod is dead, eaten by worms from the inside, but the word of the God continued to spread and flourish. So, who do we praise and why? Here is a leader in Herod who people praised as a god, wanted him to feel like a god. Maybe he wanted to feel like a god and he is killed and it leads to destruction. Peter, who did great miracles like Jesus, who healed people, who spoke eloquently, he had the power of the Holy Spirit, had every, <laughs> all the manifestations of Jesus, who was the Son of God, and yet was willing to give his life for others. Herod praised himself while bringing others down and having them murdered. Peter praised Jesus and lifted others up and was willing to continue to preach even though he, was, he would be arrested and maybe killed. Herod wanted power, authority, wealth, recognition. Peter wanted others to know the love of Jesus. And he willingly taught Jesus continually, knowing that he might be arrested and killed. Imagine, it says that he was arrested at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, meaning that Peter was probably still in the temple courts preaching to people, still publicly preaching after his friend, one of his closest friends, is murdered. And he says, no, I'm going to keep doing this. Friends, if we are not praising God, I, and this is from experience, you may disagree with me, but I believe that if we are not actively praising God, the default in our lives is either we're going to praise ourselves or we're going to worship something else. We are going to set up an idol somewhere else. I don't know if you know this or not, but human beings are designed to worship. We are made to worship something. And if you are not praising God with your life, what are you praising? Yourself? Or something else? And if, by the way, you're praising anything other than God, I got news. That's idolatry, and that's a sin. God's not a big fan of that. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's the first command, that we shouldn't do that. Think of Herod here. Just, just put yourself in this situation. Imagine if Herod was a believer, and not about himself, but the platform God gave him. Imagine if people say to him, this is not the voice of a man, this is the voice of a God. And in front of an entire region of people, he said, no, I am not a God, but I am the servant of the living God. And then he went to preach Jesus Christ to this whole crowd of people. But instead, he accepts all the praise, all the honor, says nothing about God or Jesus, or doesn't even try to refute the people and thinks, oh, that's pretty cool. You all think I'm like a God. I can get used to this. And we read this story and we think, wow, this is really, really harsh. Why did God strike him down? Why did he die? It doesn't seem fair. But as, I've, as we've seen, he's not a nice guy. This wasn't a one-time thing. 
he's been killing people. I mean, in this chapter alone, he maybe kills 16 guards and, and, and one of the apostles. He clearly is not new to this whole murdering people thing to get what he wants. And if we compare him to Peter, now, let me just also say, Peter wasn't perfect, okay? You read through the Gospels, we know Peter messed up. We know Peter denied Jesus a couple, three times, right? But what happened? Think about the life of Peter now. And, and, and if you don't know the Bible so well, I'll just explain a little bit. But, but after Peter denied Jesus three times, and then in John chapter 21, it tells us this great story of when Peter saw Jesus again. And you remember what happens? He jumps in the water, swims to shore, and is reconciled with Jesus, and then has an encounter with the living God, the resurrected Jesus Christ, and his life change. He becomes this, the rock, as Jesus said he would be, in the church. I mean, the whole book of Acts that we've been studying for the last four or five months is centered around this guy, Peter, and how he was leading the church. Because of him, because he was not honoring himself, because he was worshiping God, Samaritans were saved and healed. People were healed. Gentiles were saved and given the Holy Spirit. The whole world changed. Because after an encounter with the living Jesus, Peter decided that he wanted to honor and worship him and not himself. So if we compare these two stories, it's a very simple message today. If we praise ourselves, it will lead to destruction. If we seek our own glory, it probably won't work out well for us. And if we praise God and serve others, it will lead not only to our salvation, but to the salvation of others. And now it's not always that black and white, but I believe that to be true. And I'm not going to say that we're all like Herod or we're all like Peter, because usually, let's be honest, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, isn't it? If we think of it as a spectrum, as Herod is evil and Peter is pretty awesome, we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all sort of floating through, and some days we're over here, and some days we're over here. But if there's one thing, when I think about praise, when I think about how do we praise, why do we praise, what are the things we say, I just want to really, really point this one thing out that I've learned, is that when we talk about prayer and praise, when we talk about praising Jesus and giving our lives to praise Jesus, we need to know that this is not a transaction, okay? That our praise, you're, you're, you're coming to church tonight and singing songs, your, your tithing, if you choose to tithe, your, your service to give money to the homeless, or whatever, that is, those are good things. Those are God-honoring things. However, this is not a, a vending machine. This is, God is not a transactional God that says, oh, okay, thank you for singing songs. Now I'm going to bless you. The, God is not about quid pro quo, and we sometimes think that if we get into the mentality that if we praise God, if we do good things, that it will directly relate to our salvation from uncomfortable things. I go to church all the time. Why should I ever experience discomfort? Let me ask you a question. Was James less faithful than Peter? Why was James killed and Peter spared? We don't know. Why were we born to such privilege and others are born to war? I don't know. And that's why I had the Daniel passage read tonight. 
Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say something really, really frustrating. And I've taught on it in here, and I'll keep doing it. I had Eric end on this dramatic note for a reason. When Nebuchadnezzar says to them, if you don't do this, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, this is verse 16 in Daniel, so just listen to it. It's not in your handout. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. This is Daniel 3.18. Great verse to memorize. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, we're all wondering, where are we uh, on the Herod to Peter, Peter scale? Are we evil today? Are we good today? What is God going to do? How is God going to bless me? What's the future going to hold? Friends, we have no idea what the future is going to hold. We have no idea what God is going to do. We have no idea if God is going to save us from discomfort or if we have a very, very hard road ahead. But what we know when we praise God is that God may bless us and he may not. But even if he does not, that we will never stop praising him. That we will never stop worshiping him for who he is. That we will never stop thanking Jesus for what he has done for us. Because when we think about praising God, we do not praise God with any demand for what he must do for us in the future. We do not praise God because of what we get, but because of who he is. Period. That is why we praise God. And who is God? God is a loving Father who has promised us eternity. And some may read this and think, you know, Sam, I hear you, but you're a pastor. What God did to Herod here is not fair. Herod messed up once. <laughs> okay, he should have said, no, 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 I'm not a God. Why did God kill him? That is not a loving God. Critics would point that out. But I, we're just going to get really honest here for a minute and talk about sin again. Because <laughs> that's fun, right? How could God kill Herod for one mistake? That's not a loving God. But it wasn't one mistake. If we're all honest about sin in our lives, what do we do? We start rationalizing it in our brain. We start planning it. We start cutting corners here and there. Well, if I can get away with this much, I can get away with this much. And I can get away with this much more. And I can do this. And I can do this. And I can do this. And what sin actually does is when we are not praising God, but we're praising ourselves is we're slowly polluting our brain away from what God would have us do in praising him. And we're slowly worshiping ourselves or these other idols and thinking that our desires are exactly what God wants. And so Herod, over the years, was used to doing whatever he wanted. And years and years and years of oppressing people and holding people down finally caught up with him. It's the same way when someone has some huge blow up in their life of sin and they think, how did this happen? Let's just be honest. Okay, we've been, you've, if that happens to you, if that's ever happened to anyone else, okay, it's happened to me. If I'm totally honest, you know what? That one choice I made was not the one choice I made. I had been making little choices all the way along to get to this point. That's how idolatry and sin works. It creeps up on us. 
it begins to slowly pollute and take over. And instead of praising God for who he is, we, we end up putting God into a box or putting God among all these other things that we're rationalizing. It works its way into our head and takes over. And if we look at Herod and Peter, we realize that Peter did something amazing. That Peter made choice after choice after choice to serve and love, to care for other people, to lift other people up, to do things that were difficult, to do things that weren't always in his best self-interest. And Herod, I truly believe that the reason he was killed, it's hard to read, it's hard to believe that God took his life, but that the reason God did it was because he was in direct opposition to God, and year over year after year, he did exactly what he wanted to do and did not honor God. I don't have this in my notes, but I just thought of this, and I just want to share this with you in closing. There's this really hard passage in the book of Mark that says there's one unforgivable sin. Anyone ever seen that one? It talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a tough passage. I don't have the reference in front of me because I just thought of this, but you know what I believe that to be? Really, what I believe that to be is us living our entire lives rejecting what God has offered us. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is saying to God, no, I don't want what you give me. No, I do not want to live in the Holy Spirit. No, I do not want to live according to your will and according to your precepts. I am going to do whatever I want to do. It's worshiping ourselves with our whole lives, and then at the end of our lives, we get to a point where we have been blaspheming the Holy Spirit. We have been living against truth and living in idolatry our whole lives. When we talk about who should we praise and why, Church, all we have to do is look back to Easter a few weeks ago and remember that our God has already made the choice for us. That our God has already died for us. Our God has already given his life for you and for me that no matter what happens, we are promised eternity. This life might be really hard. There is nowhere in the Bible that says if you become a Christian, life will be easy. If you find it, please, please, please let me know. I haven't found it yet. But when I look at this story, I see it as pretty clear. Where am I going? Ask yourself the same question. Where am I going? Am I going towards life or towards destruction? Am I going towards a, pra a life praising God and lifting others up to know that there is a God who loves them? Or am I going towards idolatry and selfishness and vain ambition? It's a simple sermon, but it's one we spend our entire lives learning. <laughs> because each and every day we need to relearn it. And the day we think, oh man, I'm living for God, life is great, I've got it figured out. The very next day, idolatry creeps its little head back into our lives and we find ourselves lifting ourselves up at the expense of others and we say, Lord, forgive me. And he says, I do. Keep going. And so my encouragement for you, my encouragement for myself, honestly, as I preach this sermon, is that we would know and begin to understand how much God loves us because it is not a thing we should do. It is a thing we desire to do to praise God. It is not a command of God saying, you should do this. Feel bad when you don't do it. It is we understand how much God loves us and we respond to him by praising regardless of the circumstances, because he might save us from the circumstances. He might give us financial blessing, but even if he does not, will you praise him?
And that's a question we need to ask ourselves every day. Should we pray? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Um, God, thank you for the example of Peter and of James. God, thank you for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God, thank you for the faithful men and women who have gone before us and shown us that this life is not about comfort and circumstances, but it is about praising you and you alone. God, give us the courage to live like this. Give us the courage to leave this world and its idols behind. Give us brothers and sisters who pray for us when we are tempted by idolatry. Lord, let us not lift ourselves above another, but let us honor our sisters and our brothers. Let us lift them up so that they would know there is a God who loves them. Lord, we thank you and pray this all in Christ's holy and powerful name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite our musicians up. Um, and this song we're going to sing is a perfect response as you think about this. Um, about how God loves us and how we are called to worship him. <laughs>